Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where each of us brings forth five topics to discuss. This is Mark, along with John and Pete, and joining us is our special guest, Mr. Rick Marshall. Welcome to the podcast, Hi, Rick. Rick. Hello. Cheers. Hello. Hello. I am excited to be here. We're, we're so glad that we finally got you on this show. Mark We've been seriously at, wanted you since day one. Day since one. And day I was like, one, no, Rick. chill out. Come on. Since day one. <laughs> anyway, how, how's everyone been? Let's, uh, let's start with you, John. I, I like when you start with me. I really need you to go back to the it's rhymes, It's in the Mark. script. It's in I the script. I need you to go back to the rhymes, Mark. I miss the rhymes. We don't have time for the rhymes No, anymore. we always have time for rhymes. <laughs> you just rhymed right? when you said we don't have time for rhymes. Yes, you did. Those rhymes now. I mean Shows it. you how easy it is. <laughs> Anybody want to be that? Um, we are good. Uh, Jamie and I have gotten through all the Fast and the Furious movies except Ooh. for the newest one. And all the Mission Very Impossible cool. movies, movies as of 20 minutes ago. Ooh. And so we're going to start on the Bourne movies, I think. Because apparently my daughter likes action. So I'm not wow. going to deny her that. Well, and, and then, family. Family. And family, exactly. It's all about family, right, Rick? family <laughs> what, what about james bond are we gonna get in the bond films Bond, maybe there's a lot of smooching in bond movies though mm-hmm. gotta watch the smooching still watch yeah, the smooching. you'd have to explain what the joke is about you know the characters names like octopus uh, yeah pussy right. galore yeah and pussy i get galore. it you know connery like this coach, so. <laughs> yes. Pete, how's things with you? What's uh? Give us an update on Baby Watch 2023. Baby Watch 2023. Oh, yeah. Baby Watch. Ding, 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 ding. Pretty much similar to a couple weeks ago. Not too much is updated, although he is moving a ton, squirming around and punching and kicking already. So there's there's that. Yeah, now we're just trying to rush getting the nursery together. It's pretty much there. Uh, we got to redo our living room to make it a, a baby space. So that's kind of the next thing over the next couple of weeks and uh, accumulating friends and family's stuff and clothes and all that stuff. You can never <laughs> have enough. Yep. Rick and, uh, and I want to just throw things at him. Just take it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that's fine. Take it. Let's throw this back to Mark. Mark, how are you doing? Yeah. Doing well. I uh, just had a birthday. That's one reason why we had a break. Mm-hmm. And one of you may have visited me and we took uh, photographic evidence. Another one may have been photoshopped in to make it look like he was there. <laughs> yeah, poor, poorly photoshopped in. But, uh, <laughs> it was great. It was that great. was a great picture. That was I a great like, picture. I had like 40 minutes. I'm like, all right, I'm going to make this look passable. Pete, we appreciate the things you... Uh, I've said it for weeks. We have a Pete. Just like, you know, Cap has, or Cap has a Hulk. We have a Pete. Well, I That's appreciate the guy in the chair. That's right. He's the guy in the chair. Exactly. That's we're right. all four. We're all 42 now. We're all Jackie Robinson. Yeah. yeah. I'm not 42. And Rick is not 42 either. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you want to get anyway, going? Let's anyway. go. Let's all do right, it. Let's, let's get to know our friend Rick, shall we? Now, Rick, we have been mm. fans of your work for a long time as we've admirably watched you speak with tons of different celebrities over the years. Now, we thought we'd start the show with how you met the late, great Stan Lee and maybe your favorite story about the legend. Also, uh, what about any other favorite celebrity conversations that you've had? And I'm personally hoping you mention the cast of Letterkenny. Mm, forgot about that. Well, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's I've been very fortunate. Um, yeah, part of my, my gigs over the years uh, has sort of put me in contact with a lot of people that, you know, I... I 
I admire or am interested in or just love watching their work. Uh, it's it's been great. Uh, it's been some made for some really really surreal experiences uh, over the years. Uh, working at uh, working at MTV News for for a chunk of time, <laughs> I, I <laughs> rode the elevator with a, a lot of amazing people, and mm. you know I, I you know and also the cast of the Jersey Shore. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. It over the years, it's been great, and uh, I have been very fortunate to have, have met and chatted with with Stanley a bunch of times. I had to sort of pinch myself every now and then, where I would get I would when I got to the point where I would get a call every now and then, and I'd pick up the phone, and it would be like, "Rick Marshall, this is Stan Lee." <laughs> like, he needed to really like introduce himself yeah, yeah, yeah. right and it was great we would talk a lot about um you know things that came up projects he was working on because he's always had something going on he was always sort of pitching some sort of project or he you know he was always seemingly willing to talk about you know the characters he co-created over the years and and i remember having a great conversation with him during that period where um a lot of people were we're campaigning and hoping to have uh, Donald Glover play uh, Spider-Man um, <laughs> years and years ago. Interesting. And there was a lot of controversy over that, you know, uh, about whether or not whether or not you can have a uh, you know non-white actor play Spider-Man. And this was Miles Morales had come out at this point, and there was a lot of controversy and a lot of talk all around about whether or not that would that could ever happen. And it was great because Stanley actually gave me a call. Uh, at one point, I got a call and we, we chatted about it for a while. And he had this great story about he's like, well, you know, that was Rick. That was one of the reasons why, you know, Spider-Man wore a mask. You know, and we really want him to have a full face mask and not like a half a half face mask or anything like that. It's so that you it could be anybody. It could be anybody. Yeah. And that I was like a, big, a big thing for him was like it could be anybody under the mask. That's what we want. And we want like, you know, he's in New York City swinging around and we want everyone to look up and think that they could be Spider-Man. And I thought that was really touching. And it was That's something really cool. that I, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's something that I sort of like, uh, came back to me. And when Stanley passed, uh, I, I remember that whole conversation coming back to me and, and we, I ended up writing a uh, part of it up and, you know, in an obituary article that I had written just about the fact that that was something that will always stick with me that like, you know, Oh, he was thinking like that, that, that long ago. And is also at a time when a lot of, people you know his age weren't thinking along those lines and wouldn't be open to that type of thing and i always appreciated that and that was that was very surreal um it's funny because there was another marvel uh marvel comics editor back in the day named rick marshall and <laughs> in the, in the, he would always get a little bit like sort of we, we'd, we'd meet up in person or we talk and sometimes he'd be like rick marshall are you related to him? i'm like no no stan no no, no. <laughs> different guy <laughs> Yep, and uh, yeah, no, it was great. And then over the years, it's been wonderful. I've met a lot of folks, uh, like the cast of Letterkenny. That was that was always fun. Yeah, I think some of my most surreal ones have been the random encounters. Like uh, at one point, I was I was in uh, uh, a hotel. Uh, I just finished doing some interviews for one of the Ghost Rider movies. Ooh, and, Ooh uh, okay. the one where he the one where he peed in the trailer, or the other one? Uh, uh, well, <laughs> one of the Nicolas Cage ones. Yes. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> And that's what I'll, that's what I'll say. And uh, yeah, and I remember sitting in the waiting for the elevator to leave after doing an interview with the the writers of the film, and I just hear this loud yelling, and it's getting louder, and the elevator doors open up at one point, and there's Nick Cage, Cage. screaming into a phone in front of me, and there was just <gasps> pause where he just kind of looks at me and we make eye contact, and I'm like, I'll take the next one. <laughs> and he's just like give me like a nod and the doors close 
And then I just hear more screaming as in like going away. <laughs> that might be the most Nicolas Cage thing that, that that's that, yeah. that sounds like that's the incredible. ultimate Nick Cage moment. Yeah. <laughs> that one sticks with you. That's how I imagine him wow. being. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah, it's it's been wild. Like, you know, and like I said, it's points uh, I have there are very few people over time I learned to sort of stop really getting sort of fanning out over over some people where I, I might have in the past. But there have been a few that I still got me, like uh, David Tennant. Um, I'm, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and That's I awesome. David Tennant during his run. And I just remember uh, calling up, uh, uh, calling up my now wife at that point after the interview and being breathless about the whole thing, and be like, <gasps> she was shocked because she's like, "You don't get like this." What do you? I'm like, "It was amazing. He's so <laughs> like, he's just as amazing in person as I hoped he would be." Because that's not always the case. Right. And, uh, just so cool and British. So yeah, it's been it's been fun. That's great that you can still get starstruck once in a while, you know, especially in the line of work where you're seeing so many celebrities and so much talent just in and out of the building, and you know that you yeah. interact with on a daily basis. Like, it's funny. I just told somebody too, going back to the the Stanley calling you up. I, I mentioned that to one of my coworkers. I'm like, whoa! I was like, yeah, we got this guy on our podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I really like David Tennant. He's my favorite villain in the short-lived uh, Netflix uh, MCU universe yes. in uh, yeah. Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones. He was so good in Jessica Jones and just oh, so creepy yeah. and evil. And like, that was really re- just yeah, very he was, believable. He was great in that. Yeah, he was the best part of that series. I yep. think. And he's just such a personable person, too. Like, he just... Yeah. Uh, I, I had been interviewing him. I interviewed him at Comic-Con. It's funny, actually, Comic-Con's going on now. Um, I interviewed him at Comic-Con years ago, and it was during his final run as the Doctor, and that weekend of Comic-Con was also um, my now wife's birthday. And so I was missing her birthday uh, to be out in San Diego doing these. And I got him, uh, uh, I sort of came up with this idea that I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to ask if he'll like just sign something. Like it'd be like, happy birthday to her. And he actually like, I end up getting a blank card with like, you know, a little kitten on the front hanging from a branch, you know, well, like, hey, there, it's your birthday, and blank inside. And I just asked him, you know, like, hey, would you just mind signing, you know, like your name and like a happy birthday or something? And he's like, oh, and I told him the whole thing. He grabbed out of my hand and wrote like this great message to my wife in it. And he was, took a picture huh. afterwards. The picture is crazy because you can see that my eyes are wide. And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the other only other one really was um, Chuck Norris. Yeah, Chuck Norris uh, was weird for me because I, I was the only person I've ever started off an interview with being like, I dressed up as you when I was a kid. <laughs> you played. I dressed up as you, sir. That's amazing. <laughs> I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about your fitness journey and commitment to the Peloton system. Uh if you could take a moment to explain what it does, what made you get one? Are you still like a using cult it? when you call it that? <laughs> yeah, the Peloton. It is a cult. It is kind of culty. I'm gonna. It's kind of culty. So, like, yeah. What? What? Are you still going on it? And oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I am not a go to the gym. I've never been able to stick to a go to the gym routine. Uh, just the process of getting changed, going there, doing the thing, and then commuting. You know, getting changed, commuting back. I've always had a problem keeping up with that it's a lot of setup yeah yeah and it's just a lot of like yeah it just takes so much time out of the day and i uh really liked the idea of having a some way to exercise or do that uh in the house here and it was very much one of those i was one of those many many people who was like pandemic wise was like 
I'm going to do this, but also because they offered a lot of specials during the pandemic. They gave you some good deals to get it. So it was enticing. Um, and yeah, I sort of was like, I'm going to try this. Cause I also had hit a weight that like, I'd hit the, like the heaviest I had been in my life. Um, you know, mm-hmm. at one point. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I was getting like winded going upstairs, like, you know, to like, they're going up two flights of stairs to the top of our house. I'm like, this isn't good as someone who used to be fairly athletic. Right. This, this isn't cool. And, uh, yeah. And so I, I sort of took the plunge and also knowing that if I it's something I have to keep paying for, I'm going to be like guilted into <laughs> making sure I stay on it. Like, I'm, I don't want to pay for something I'm not using. That's true. So, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, we okay. got it. And it was great. And I've been doing it and I lost like I got down to I was doing it basically every almost nearly every day for uh, for almost uh, six, seven, eight months straight. Uh, and ended up getting down to like the lowest weight that I'd been since college, like, you know, close wow. to college, awesome. which was nice. Yeah. And then, you know, over time, like, you know, and I, I basically had a streak going where I was like, and, but also it got to the point where I was like, if I didn't do it on a day, I feel guilty. Does it uh, keep track of your overall mileage? Do you say like, oh, I've, uh, biked as far as the great wall of China or something like that. Well, I think you'll appreciate this a bit. I'm a big fan also of gamifying things like that. That's what I'm getting to. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And like, you know, it definitely gamifies everything where you can, you know, you unlock, you know, like trophies and this and that. And, you know, and, you know, it'll tell you how long you've gone and what your best weeks were and, you know, how much it got to the point where I I bought myself a Fitbit, you know, watch so I could keep track of like heart rate and stuff like this. This was new to me. Nice. Um, I was not the sort that normally would have done that. You know, my, my wife was like, who the hell are you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse's yeah, in great shape, right? And she's always been. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. And so, you know, that was the other thing. I got to try to gotta keep, keep up, up with her, her right? Yeah. <laughs> totally. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that'll keep that'll keep you both young for, you know, years and years to come. So I haven't added the exercise to my weight loss routine yet, but I'm getting there. I walk a little bit. I have bad knees, though, so yeah. Hey, it's uh, it's biking works. Do you have um referral bonuses, right? I think so. Yes, yes, it does. If you're interested, figure that stuff out. We'll figure. We'll 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 talk. Talk after the show. Yeah, yeah. Peloton, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. (laughs) Not a sponsor. (laughs) Yeah, but you could be. Everybody can be. (laughs) We'll We'll take it all. Obviously, we saved the most important topic to last. Uh, so we, of course, have to talk about the Dynasty Fantasy Football League that you have been running and that Pete and I have had the pleasure of being long-standing members of. And so currently, with 14 yeah. teams and a 28-man roster, trading draft picks and making countless assumptions that go wrong, AFQL has required us to learn more than I ever thought about football. And so how many years has it been going on? How did it start? And why do we obsess over the minute details of this game? That's a lot of questions. Well, I'm going to... Uh... <laughs> I'll address them as we go. Let's see. Uh, it started in 2005. Um, a uh, It started amongst some folks I went to college with and uh, actually started earlier than 2005 as like one of those normal Yahoo, small Yahoo leagues with just a few of sure. us in it. Um, as those things tend to do sometimes, they fell apart. The person running it wasn't interested in keeping it going. And I was like, try it. I'll, I'll get it going. And I am also a a fiddler with like that stuff. And, you know, like I'm like, I'm going to change these settings and let's make this more complicated and let's do this and let's do this setting. And eventually it outgrew uh, in both in terms of uh, league members, as well as just the number of settings we wanted to have into it. And uh, yeah, I took over 2005 and we end up we got a trophy at one point and I've started like 
We now have a trophy that gets a big old trophy that gets engraved with the winner's names every year. And it's wild. I, I, we do individual defensive players. And it's funny because it's it seems complicated to a lot of people who are coming in from the standard sort of Yahoo and redraft leagues. But I'm also in a bunch of other dynasty leagues that are way more complicated. <laughs> um, they're like yeah. 70, 80 man rosters, full defensive, like you draft cornerbacks and defensive tackles in them. Where our league, the the AQFL, which is uh, Armchair Quarterback Football League, I that oh, was yeah, the most right. original name I could think of. <laughs> it's um, reasonable. Yeah, totally, <laughs> um, pa- totally passable. Yeah, this one's uh 28. Uh, you know. 28 players, you're starting, you know, you're starting almost as many defensive players as you are uh, offense. But I tried to keep it fairly simple and, you know, at somewhat entry level where, you know, you can kind of come in and learn it as you go. And while there is a curve, it's not a huge curve. Like, it's not. Pete and I have been here for five years. I feel finally like I might be competitive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe this year. (laughs) I thought last year, but no, not last year. I may or may not have inherited the team that had won the championship the year before and tanked into last place my first year. You <laughs> fixed it one year, though, Pete. Come on. It didn't but, help that you didn't show up for your first draft. Well, yeah, we were, we were moving a friend in, and I thought I had autodraft set up right, and it was wrong. It it, it said... Instead Can we of like, discuss who you picked first? I'd, yeah, I'd like so to talk about I, it. I had a list of do not pick these players, and somehow that turned into pick these players first in the, in the <laughs> computer. So... <laughs> Well, fumble number one. Yeah, not to mention I had no first round pick, second round pick, and for like three years out because of moves the previous owner had done, which is you know whatever. Sold the farm, the whole farm. Yeah, so I'm like bought a championship, huh? So my rule that year was everybody over the age of thirty is gone. Hey, it's worked for you. I mean, hey, now who did you draft your second year, Pete? Oh yeah, with my with the two first round picks I picked up with trading away my entire team uh, was Pat Mahomes and Alvin Kamara. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good rock to basis, and I have them for their careers. Although Alvin Kamara's career might end up being in jail (laughs) the rest of his career. Man, and I was like. Oh, Pete Mahomes, huh? Who's this Mahomes guy? I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty ballsy pick, man. <laughs> the funny, I know. The funniest part was that it was like a Buffalo Sports Radio at the time, too, was like, oh, like, oh my God, it's been 20 freaking years since we've had a freaking quarterback. Like, you know what? There's this Mahomes guy. He looks pretty good. Like, if I were the Bills right now, I'd just be, you know what? Screw it. I don't care what anybody says. I'm picking Mahomes. That would have been the best move they ever could have made, and they didn't do it. <laughs> Hey, and you know what? To your credit, I remember talking to you about that pick and you were like, I think this guy's going to be good. I really yeah. do. And you were very excited. Yep. It was because of one disgruntled, angry radio station guy that said, screw it. I, I picked Mahomes. I'm like, Mahomes. like, that sounds great. I'm in. Okay. I'll pick him too. <laughs> yep. Good job, like Pete. Like picks that we luck into, you know, in, in certain leagues, you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. I meant to pick that guy. Who was <laughs> I totally knew that guy would be amazing, and that's why I took him. But, hey, to your credit, I remember being like, Pete, why'd you pick that guy? Like, no, no, I think this guy's going to be really Rick, good. Can we talk about your I, best uh, pick in the last 15 years and your worst? Oh, gosh. Uh, best pick and worst pick of the, of the years. Gosh, I don't know. I've My roster has been through so much turnover over the years that it's hard to even – nailed down i I do remember at one point uh when i won the championships for a bunch of years in a row i i I had tom brady for like all but one year of his of his time uh in our league and like i said this league's been going since 2005 so i I had tom brady since he came into the league and have had him for all but one year in which i 
I traded him away for Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> and mm. Colin Kaepernick had a great season. It was Colin Kaepernick's exceptionally good season. Oh, the Super Bowl the year. The Super Bowl okay. year, yeah. Yep. And then the next season, I traded Colin Kaepernick back for Tom Brady. <laughs> wow. Like, oh, what a shock. Yeah. yeah. That's a shark move. Yeah. It was the great takesy backsy. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. I mean, that was a, that was big. My, I can tell you what my worst pick was though of all time. The I need to know. Entire history of the league. My worst pick was the uh, 1.01, the first pick in the entire draft. Ooh. Peyton Hillis. Oh, Madden, Madden really worked out. Just oh, no. just on Madden. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to just continue on for another two or three years, just. Oof. Rumbling, stumbling, and bumbling, and just destroying every uh, person that you know in his way. And uh, yeah, that so much didn't so much work out. It's the Madden curse. I gotcha. Yeah. So I know we're over time, but speaking of the Madden curse, do you know who's on Madden this year, Pete? Shh, because his Quiet. name rhymes with Josh Allen. No, the the, the, the curse ended when they put Jim Madden <laughs> on the cover, and he and he, he he's already dead. That's what, that's what his name rhymes with. Are we ready to get started? <laughs> You're so eloquent, Mark. You're know, so good at radio hosting. So, I, yeah, I know. It's, like it's like I've never done this before. I was going to talk about one particular topic. Uh, turns out John has it, so I completely changed it to a somewhat breaking news story for our first Ooh. topic <laughs> <very> today. <laughs> this, this just happened a few years ago. The NFL owners unanimously approved the sale of the Washington Commanders to a group led by Josh Harris. The Ooh. sales price will be $6.05 billion, with a B, Ooh. and it is the largest sale of a sports franchise in this country. So everyone... Damn. What will the effect of the recent sale of the Washington Commanders be? Less horrible racist uh, news coming out of the Washington football team, hopefully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And not even from the team themselves. Right. Dan Snyder is one of the worst people on, on yeah, Earth. It can't get any worse. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it could. Like, it's Washington, D.C. Collective level of horrible, like, just make yeah. you shake your head news coming out of Washington and if Washington's NFL feed will just be just marginally less. I mean, I feel like that's that's enough to hope for. <laughs> the only way to go is up, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> he it, it also did come out that he was fined sixty million dollars for the recent lawsuit of one of the cheerleaders. I can't remember what her name is right now. That's but. actually a significant fine. However, that is one percent <laughs> of the sale price of the commanders. Yeah, it, it should should have still been more than that, but it's. It's better than these ticky tacky like, you know, you should be charged with murder and put to life sentence. You will receive a five thousand dollar fine, even though you are worth a billion dollars. I mean, sixty million dollars for Dan Snyder is an annoyance, honestly. Do you Which think they'll change the name? Do you think the new owners will Again? change the name? That's what I've oh. been wondering. Like, I don't dislike the name though. I like it. It's not I the like worst. it. It is apt for where they are, and it isn't racist which is really helpful yeah. i thought they should have kept football team Hell, that was <laughs> yeah, just yeah. stupid the washington football no that was <laughs> fantastic i thought they were yes. just being petty for a little while they're like well fuck you guys we're not changing the name it's a dude that's what you get now you get a stupid name <laughs> yeah but i think they could have owned that it's like you I know, know what? i look at better than commanders i really do so we talked about it on the show though i mean hopefully all the talent in washington actually goes somewhere now that they have maybe better management or at least different management yeah mm. I mean, they're shaping up to have a not bad team uh, with who they have True. right now. I, I kind of, I kind of like 
who they have right now. I think uh, Gibson and Brian Robinson are a great uh, tandem. Uh, I'm looking for a really good season from Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, yep. yep. Rick let me have him last season, so he's on my team now. Right. That was one of my good picks. I know you have him now. I traded him to you. but um, it was good. I like that trade. Speaking of that, quick aside again, John's got a sneaky good team, man. We got to watch out for him now. Sneaky good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think I'm curious to see what Sam Howell does as yeah. the QB. Like we've saw we've seen so little of him, but uh everyone he a rookie? Like, um he was yes, uh well he was rookie last year. Oh, he played a little bit. Okay. And right near the end he played a little bit. And yeah, so we've seen so little of him, but there's so much positive buzz about him mm-hmm. where normally at this point there's a lot of like, well, it's gonna be a competition. We're gonna see, you know, it's <laughs> gonna be an open competition. I mean, not and for like, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett's just there if he throws his arm out. No, Jacoby Brissett is a decent starting quarterback. Like he's he's, he's a solid backup. If he not, he's a he, dude. In a lot of respects, I think he should be the starter. Because he's What's proven himself to be a winner. Yeah. yeah, they have Brissett, but they also had previously like Taylor Heineke, like who is also. I think just, they should have kept Taylor Heineke. <laughs> he's this wonderfully reliable backup who like can definitely yeah. win you games if necessary. He's like mini Brett Favre. <laughs> in, in fact, Brett Brett Favre was his idol when he was growing up. That's, and he, that's why he wears number so he four. Just, yeah, no shit. So he just yeah. mimicked his play style and body type after <laughs> Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I just remember that game last last year where they won and everybody was really surprised at what they were playing and he came off and he had this big old chain on and he just like <laughs> was this really like kind of tiny like little white kid and he was just like yeah I'm awesome I play football guys <laughs> was that like when when Fitz Magic was playing on Tampa and like came out and uh, who, no, nobody's <laughs> like Fitz Magic no, but that like was like magic yeah who what wide receiver was that they borrowed all of his like threads from that was amazing <laughs> It's like a famous wide receiver. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely it was definitely <laughs> one of the big wide receivers. This was like before Mike Evans, right? So yeah, uh, Evans was on the team then, I think. Uh, yeah. Was Deshaun yeah, Jackson or something? Yes, that's who no. it was. Yeah, that's who it was. I think really? he was still in Tampa then. Maybe yeah. I, I could yep. be I could be mixing him up with somebody else, but it was somebody like that, like right, like superstar wide receiver in the league that like had all this swag, and somehow Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> just like yeah, rocked it. That's funny. <laughs> With the ginger chest. Yep. <laughs> Although you know who's given um that fits magic sort of look a run for mm. its money is uh Joe Joe oh, Burrow. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, yeah. Oh, yeah. Joe Burrow's well, the coolest guy in Cincinnati. He's, we talked he's about just, that last week. Yep. He's just Joe Montana 2.0. He is Joe Montana 2.0. Exactly. Well, he's a combination. He's Joe Montana on the field, but he's like Fitzmagic off the field. Mm, yeah. okay. I love it when he pops that cigar, too, after a game. Yeah. Come on. <sighs> who who doesn't want to be Joe Burrow when they grow up? I can't I not like Burrow. that guy. Damn it. You can't not like him. You can't <laughs> not like him at all. Yeah. You're right, by the way. I, I, I ended up Googling it because I'm the research department, apparently. Deshaun Jackson. And he looked exactly like Conor McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail the topic. No, to, it's a perfect. This is the way the show, the way close, the show goes, man. I will talk about Fitzmagic uh, as much as you want to talk about Fitzmagic because <laughs> I, I love that guy. It's a great gentleman. He's the best, worst quarterback in football. <laughs> yes. Let's get ready to next topic. Let's talk about the topic that Mark wants to talk about and we all are thinking about because it was all over the news all week. Um, Changes on the horizon for the NFL and that change comes in the drastic left turn in the running back market. 
And so uh, this past week, no last minute heroics happened at the franchise tag deadline on Monday regarding contracts for the three big names that remain. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard. And so these are, guys, these are the top of the 2022 running back class. Jacobs led the whole league in rushing yards at 1653. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a career high at 1352 and was number four. And Pollard led the league in yards per touch at an impressive 5.9. What is this dark timeline that we live in that running back (laughs) is now a plug and play position? How did it happen? And will it ever come back? This is the dark timeline now, isn't it? At least for yeah. running backs. Well, yeah. So will it will it ever come back? I mean, potentially you have to have kind of a generation changing uh, player in order to do that. I mean, if you have another Derrick Henry, you might have to have a couple Derrick Henrys to to do that. Well, now who they're thinking that effectively in, well into their thirties on top of yeah on top of being great at the start. But the other thing is you have a bunch of young. Uh, running backs, we've talked about this multiple times. You get them on rookie quarterbacks. I mean, everyone's a buzz about Bijan Robinson. Everyone's a buzz about him. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have all of these so like hugely talented that are NFL capable and ready running backs coming straight out of college. From a business perspective, I mean, it just kind of makes sense. And I mean, you're throwing all this money at quarterbacks, at defensive tackles. I, I mean. I saw a list today that uh, there's a, a lot of defensive tackles that are making at least $25 million this year. Wow. Can, can you imagine that? And Jeez. wide receivers as well. I mean, all, all this how, all this money's going up. It's got to go down somewhere. Josh Jacobs. Like, how don't you give that man money? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's the whole long term that they're scared of. I mean, so yeah. remember the Todd Gurley contract when he, he was like 14 plus million uh mm five years against the Rams and he he was just awful after that and then the Zeke contract too the Zeke yeah, contract yeah, looks awful thing right well we point with plug and play like stuff with plug and play running backs where I think it makes sense because we don't have the running backs with the exception of Derrick Henry there isn't I don't think a single other running back in the entire league who is that singularly talented that can carry an entire team's winning like percentage like mm-hmm. wins on on his back uh you can you can uh, to be honest you can take Jacobs out you can take Barkley out you can take all of those guys out you can draft or or even just trade for uh several players you would have to pay a whole lot less for like right now Barkley uh you know is asking for uh, I think it's you know some something in uh, well over like whatever the franchise tag I think is like about 10 million or so um, you could easily get Kareem Hunt and Zeke or Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette for almost that same amount um, on their own and then you just alternate them back and forth and you could yeah. do that type of thing and it would be fine in the Giants scheme it would be fine in most of those schemes and how much worse off would they be right I don't think much where Derrick Henry comes out of a game though and the team's gone. Like Derrick Henry's uh, oh, yeah. out of it, and there's no, there, you the saw that last year when he got hurt. That's the state of things now, and I think teams are uh, like McVeigh learned that with uh, with Gurley, and mm-hmm. you know if we've seen this with the Patriots for years. They they Patriots and a few other teams are, are great at doing these the running back committees. They just keep rotating yeah. them in and out, and they have very specific things. And they can one guy wants to move on somewhere else, he can move on. They find another guy to come in, and they just keep doing their thing. Because next man up, next man. Yeah, up. exactly. Oh, totally. I was reading a stat just recently where they said that uh, the days of just having those thousand yard rushers are over. The um, in the last fifteen years, the uh, there's only been three teams that won the Super Bowl who had a thousand yard rusher. Where hmm. in the fifteen years before that, eleven of the fifteen uh, Super Bowl champions had thousand yard rushers um, on their team, and it's just 
the way of things now. It's it's yeah. a quarterback league. I mean, if you think of it in kind of a fantasy perspective, which it's what it kind of turns into. I mean, you have to pick the guy who scores the touchdowns, and the less people are scoring rushing touchdowns, the less important uh, running backs are. Running backs are to eat up the clock and to do something different, right? Because you can't always yeah, you can't throw always passing pass. routes. Right. So you have right, to Buffalo? be right, Buffalo. <laughs> So you have to be dangerous on the ground, <laughs> but they just don't do that anymore. That's why these like the slot has become a lot more popular and why multiple running backs and pass catching running backs have become a lot more popular. Because the game is different. Well, well, Buffalo has its own problems, too, with the fact that their quarterback also likes to run the ball a lot himself. And very yeah. true. No, that, that's a well, part yeah, of it as well. That's just, just what I was going to say is that we, yeah. we don't need a running back. They have Josh Allen. Yeah. <laughs> you still need a running back. Who has more yards and carries than any other running back on the team. You don't want Josh Allen to keep taking those hits. No, no, they don't. No. They they no, really no. don't. Jalen Hurts and that crazy well, like scrum. Oh yeah, play that yeah. They it's do. it's incredible that that Allen hasn't gotten hurt from like the what what is it now like six times he's literally hurtled over people. I think that actually is another big reason that and because it's not just Allen, right? Really, like you said, Hurts. Uh, you have Justin Fields. Uh, Who's so fast like a gazelle? Super good quarterback. Um, that I'm oh, I love thinking super good quarterbacks. Yeah, super good quarterback. Lamar um, Jackson. Lamar yeah, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. I don't know why yeah. his name eluded me, but like, <laughs> right? Your quarterback is now taking a lot of the duties that the bell cow running backs did. And that's becoming more and more prevalent in the league. You're just seeing that model be replicated further yeah. and further. I mean, even you're, somebody you're like running Burrow a lot can, less. Yeah, you're yeah. running a lot less and you're, um, right. you're you don't need the bell cow anymore. Well, really, you're just trying not to be predictable because defenses are very, very good. I mean, sure. they always say that the transition from college to NFL is defense, right? You're like, oh, this yeah. team is much better. These guys are much faster. Or you can have wide receiver play running back, you know, Cordell mm-hmm. Patterson. <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah, it's that. the beefiest wide receiver you got and mm-hmm. be like, put on some more pounds and uh, <laughs> get line up here. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of like what Debo Samuel does, too? He, he does a lot of sweet jet sweeps and stuff. Traylon Burks. Yeah, all that. Yeah. Jesus, Debo's fun to watch. Yeah, I actually I actually think just kind of knowing about the business of the NFL a little bit. This is probably the start of things to come like. It's starting with the running backs, but I mean, John, you, you, you've talked about this before, getting the, the, the most money out of those rookie quarterbacks, yeah. this is going to start happening to other positions very, very soon. Maybe the last ones it's going to happen to a quarterback and probably defensive end. Those well, are probably going to be the last yeah. two. How to min-max, and it wasn't mm-hmm. a coincidence that three out of the four conference finals teams in last year uh, had rookie quarterbacks. It wasn't a coincidence. And I think know it's a quarterback league. Like yeah. it's it's the quarterbacks are what sell tickets uh, in most cases. They, yeah. they they have to protect the quarterbacks and the money that maybe would have gone to a running back back in the day now is just going to either the quarterback or the people you know who are supposed to protect the quarterback and make sure that your quarterback stays upright. Now, do I think as a Giants fan that giving Daniel Jones forty million dollars was a good idea? <laughs> That's why <laughs> that's why they couldn't give Saquon like 14 or 15, right? He wants 22.5 by 22. Cuz I know they offered Saquon him 12. Does? Yeah, yep, they they offered his, Saquon 12. That's his minimum, uh, 22. 12 per, per year? year last year and they he turned that's it down. Never he's been done. 22. And he's whining about it too. That's he's never like, well, been done. I mean, I don't want to sit out, but I, am I ready to sit out? 
like fif- mm. 15 or 16. I could see if you had a quarterback on a very affordable deal. And that Shut running back was like Darren Waller run the ball. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, 22. They could, they could actually sign Dalvin cook, Kareem hunt and Leonard Fournette. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like well, it's so right, much yeah. money for that money. Yeah. You're not yeah, number one. Totally. Saquon. I'm sorry. Somebody I heard at the radio station uh, that I was listening to was an idea of how, like, how do we fix it? Right. It's obviously, I guess it's a problem. I don't know. We've kind of discussed the league has maybe just evolved naturally to this point, kind of slowly under our noses for the last 20 years. And all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, it's a big problem now. But one of the thoughts that was floated around is like, for the running back position only, do you give them a draft eligibility exemption where they can be drafted sophomore year so that their first contract is up sooner when they're younger and thus are much more appealing like you know you sign a a star running back to their second contract at age 25 that's a lot better than 28 or 29 when when every running back statistically in history has fallen off a cliff pretty much except with a few exceptions do we want to be telling professional athletes not to finish college so they have nothing to do after they get hurt in the nfl i don't think we do and would the college would the colleges be willing to say hell like you know Uh, sure take my superstar player right so that's the problem right i don't know how you'd even I don't know. How I mean, get now, people now to college football is a business too. So I mean, it I, is. That, that it will never fly ever. Yeah, ever. I, I think a lot of those backs sadly have to look for, you know, image and likeness, big payouts in college before they even get to the NFL. I'll get the next topic gadget. Next topic. So Northwestern University recently has fired their uh, football head coach, Pat Fitzgerald, after allegations of hazing within the program surfacing after a six month investigation. Now, it goes deeper as civil rights attorney Ben Crump has become involved with former players uh, alleging that sexual violence and hazing were rampant and even racially motivated. Now, more recently, incidents involving their baseball and softball teams have also come out. So, everyone, what does the Northwestern hazing scandal say about college sports and does it need more regulation? I'm going to jump in really quick on this because I have a very personal connection to uh, this entire one in that, uh, let's see, my wife and brother-in-law both went to Northwestern yeah. and they did all their, their, their college there. Um, the one, my wife did grad school there and my brother-in-law did uh, undergrad and grad school there. And my brother-in-law is actually a... Isn't he uh, still in Chicago? Yeah, and he's a technical director and has covered uh, Northwestern over the years. He covers Midwest uh, uh, sports out there. And uh, my uh, my in-laws have season tickets Northwestern. So we we have gone to many, many Northwestern games over the years. Uh, very familiar with the team. So I can say that these allegations and this whole story did not come... <laughs> as much of a surprise to a lot mm. of people of, of to to myself in particular looking at it um i i saw that uh he following the team he's kind of a meathead and was, <laughs> he was a longtime player there he was just a meathead linebacker there great coach great players coach but i think this you know you you get that sort of difference between a player's coach and a sort of Belichick style coach who is not a player's coach, a scheme coach, a a strategic coach. And he was the ultimate player's coach who was very much a rah-rah meathead sort of thing. And in those environments, that's where stuff like this thrives. 
And uh, yeah, as far as what it says about all of college football, I'm not sure uh, because there are schools that aren't like this. There are schools that are and there are schools that are a lot worse than this. Uh, Northwestern, to its credit, is still a very academic based school. And a lot of the alum from there, the even the football players, the alum from there uh, have gone on to have really great careers and do some really, really brilliant, complicated you know, things that you don't see a whole lot of NFL players doing after their careers or a lot of guys from, you know, Miami, for instance, mm-hmm. <laughs> to throw one out there. Um, they they do a whole lot of great stuff there. So that is to their credit. But yeah, it's when it's happening at a school like Northwestern, though, they're definitely it should raise some red flags. Uh, there should be some more sort of, you know, policing of this stuff, some more investigation of this stuff, because if it's going to Northwestern, that's kind of wild because Northwestern's an academic school. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, the NCAA used to lay down penalties for, you know, paying players on the side. And since that's all legal now, the NCAA needs to do something else. Right. <laughs> yeah, they need to do something, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that, though, Mark. I think that this speaks to the college experience more than it speaks to the football experience. Um when you are in an organized group um, from our fraternity days, from Rick's fraternity days, and then we did not haze, right? But there were still, no, no, no. there were still, like, not, there, there were still ideas <laughs> and things that people thought and people, things that people assumed. <laughs> and like, I remember a story where after we had left, somebody got hurt at a party and it was the whole big thing about what they were doing and when they were doing it and how intoxicated they were when they were doing it. And I mean, you in the world, you almost get judged by people's actions that aren't you or aren't your groups because most people are kind of nuts. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. It, That's an it, understatement. To <laughs> be honest, the most surprising thing about the entire story to me was the fact that they did fire Fitzgerald because he is the poster boy for exactly the sort of coach you want to have in a college program in many ways in that he went to school there himself, was a star there. Like, he anchored Northwestern's football team as a as their sort of lead linebacker for years. He was a star there. The program hadn't been that great over the years. I mean, their last their last big player to come out of Northwestern was, I don't know who we got. Uh, uh, I remember way back in the day you had a uh, Darnell Autry way back, like when in the 90s, I believe it was. But then you also had, you know, guys like Mike Kafka and a few others who have come out. But they're they're not known for that stuff. And so here was a coach who not only came to the school, but made it better and gave them a really good record and also was courted by a lot of NFL teams and kept saying, no, I want to stay at Northwestern. Like, that's what a school wants. And then I felt bad for the incoming president at Northwestern who was there less than a year and this all happened. And suddenly he's like, wow, I haven't even been here a year yet. Now I have yeah, to decide yeah. to fire a beloved athletic figure. Uh, but yeah. I mean, he was a scapegoat, right? Yeah, well, more than likely. 2023, yeah. somebody has to be fired and the coach is a really good person to fire. Yeah. And from what I understand, there's, you know, there's been some reporting from uh, the Daily Northwestern uh, who did amazing reporting on this. And they're the ones that it's funny. Like it was the school newspaper that broke this story. And that's crazy. It's the Daily Northwestern. That's like one of the they're one of the greatest journalism. Schools. It's a really. Yeah. Oh, OK. Uh, you know, so it. They've reported that there's also been some issues with, you know, a few of the other um, athletic teams there. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe the next one, maybe the athletic director needs to sort of, uh, you know, be put on. I mean, talk about ethics and journalism. Say, it right? sounds like it's higher you, than just that coach. Even you, yeah. you go to a D1 school, though, and a school that is all about 
its vision and its spirit and all that stuff. And you hear news like this, and it must have been really difficult to break it, honestly. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Right. It's Especially internally. That blows my mind. The yeah. good old boys club has got a lot of defenses up. It's it's hard to break that. Well, and just to be like, well, our school, there's some shit going on, but it's mm-hmm. important for me to talk about it. Like, talk about journalism, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's wild. Yeah, it had been investigated for a while and nothing happened. And then, yeah, Daily Northwestern sort of took it to the next level. Hey, kudos to them. It's like yeah. a movie. Uh, <laughs> hey, Beavis, there's like a next topic. so to keep it on football uh, between the time he was released in late May and his signing with the Titans uh, DeAndre Hopkins only visited with two teams the Titans and the Patriots and the talk this week has been mainly why the Titans and so while both teams were willing to pay 15 million in 2023 it seems that the New England deal was much more tied to incentives incentives. and also if we look at the rosters there's significantly more competition in New England with Juju Smith-Schuster uh, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, and others. Uh, so with guaranteed money becoming more and more important, as well as the rise of the value of the wide receiver, do you think D-Hop made the right decision? Uh, does this make Tennessee competitive? And Pete, can you tell us your specific feelings when you learned about it? <laughs> <laughs> I can just say that um, me and a bunch of guys that went into work who are New England fans, we all just looked at each other and go, Tennessee? <laughs> It's it's kind of amazing. He really only had the two options, at least yeah. those are the ones that were uh, reported. It, it did not surprise me that another team outbid the Patriots just because the way that Belichick likes to he always likes to try to get a deal like he will never pay anyone top dollar. He wanted to get like the biggest bang for his buck when it came to D-Hop, I'm sure. Now, if you look at the two rosters and I may be a little bit biased because I am the Patriots fan, I thought the Patriots roster overall was better than Tennessee. If you want to look at it from a long-term perspective, Tennessee probably has a little bit more on the up because they have their two young uh, quarterbacks that are potentially, you know, could potentially take off or or whatever. Um, And then you do have Derrick Henry. Um, So the fact that a lot of defenses are probably going to put like seven, eight guys in the box, there's going to be plenty of one-on-one opportunities for Mm -hmm. D-Hop in Tennessee. Probably not necessarily the case in New England, but because they're going to be concentrated on D-Hop primarily. But I don't know. I'm a little little sore that he went to Tennessee. I personally don't think that was the better team to go to. Uh, I think the, the Patriots would have been a playoff contender if he went there. And Tennessee, I don't see as a playoff team. I would disagree. I, I think this was actually the uh, a really good choice for him because he he immediately jumps in as the number one uh, wide right receiver. Right away. First day. Yeah. Uh, he would have done that no matter where he went, though. There would have been not a more of a power struggle, no. I think. Guys <laughs> like Juju. No, he would have been better than all of them, but there would have been a bit more of an ego uh, sort of competition with uh, Juju and Devontae Parker. I mean, and- Juju and Devontae <laughs> will catch balls next year, if, even if D-Hop was on the team, and that's less for D-Hop to catch. And to be honest, I think that the quarterback situation is a lot better in Tennessee than it is in New England. I, I like Mac Jones, but I don't know if Mac Jones can really feed a guy like, uh, you know, like D-Hop as much as would need to be done to really take advantage of, of his skills. Where I, I think Tannehill is a very underrated quarterback um, and the guy... You know, they have waiting in the wings is a, you know, big armed gunslinger who, you know, that's great, too. So either one of them works really well for. That's a good thing to bring up, because is this like the first tool to make Levis successful? 
It, um, I, I mean, don't know if Levis is going to be going, you know, right away. But I mean, not I mean, right away. But like, but you have to build a team out around your first round pick. Well, D-Hop is round incredibly pick. dependable, and the fact that his like contested catch uh, rate is super high. Exactly. He's I don't think you really have to be hands, that good of a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think all right. four of us could could quarterback for D-Hop. Right. We could like, just throw it up in the air. He'll catch throw it, it in the general area around D-Hop, and he will come up with an amazing catch. Exactly. He may, may not be as fast as he used to be. Right? He was never really a speed. He was never. Yeah, he was never a speed receiver. To what Rick was talking yeah. about, I think it instantly makes Tennessee better because now, yeah, you don't know it makes it better, but you well, don't know who to guard because Derrick Henry's there if you don't yeah. guard the box, and he's D Hop is there if you guard against Derrick Henry, and they're both very dangerous. I think he's going to have such a great season. Big, big, they big, are big, big a, numbers. They are in a somewhat weak, div- weaker division too. The mm. AFC South is not yeah. the strongest, so you yeah, never know. It, it could sneak Tennessee into the into the division lead there. I think so, too. And I don't think there was any way if he had gone to New England that there would have been another threat on the same level as him, where when he goes to Tennessee, there's like you said, it's Derrick Henry and it's Diop. Like it's it's either way they're they're going to they're going to stab you. And that's the where if they're in New England, like Ramondre Stevenson threat doesn't really like, you know, hit at that same level. Like, mm. I don't feel like that's not yet. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and you're not I mean, scared of Ramondre yet. When was the last time we had like a New England receiver who was that sort of like Randy Moss? Star? Yeah, that's I was going to say Randy, Randy Moss. Yeah, yep. and I feel like that was we. I don't know if that's able to be replicated again without having a you know Tom Brady, without having sort of right. all the other pieces, you know, without having that the the amazing double tight end set they had. Although they have a great one this year, but without they got Gazeki now, so they have two again. Hunter yeah. Henry's Hunter uh, Henry's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's okay. Gazeki's better than Hunter Henry. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie with this whole thing though. Like, man, D Hop, why why'd you lead me on? The, <laughs> the, the Bills were never gonna be able to afford him. Yeah, but they, he hey They have like he, ten dollars left on the salary cap. <laughs> yeah, but 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 they did restructure a bunch, they freed up enough. If they need if if he really wanted to go and make them win a Super Bowl. If if he wanted to go for that, he would have signed. But he clearly just wanted to get paid as much money as possible, and that's completely fine. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. He was definitely lying about winning a championship. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, actual lot of just be honest about it. Like balls and and also be a number one, and I think that was going to be an issue at Buffalo. Oh yeah. Oh well. Well, hold on. I had gets as angry as he does as he did in in last year <laughs> about not getting enough targets. Can you imagine yeah, but, if he has to compete with D Hop for targets? So it's it's funny you say that because and, uh, I think we mentioned this before the show too a little bit, but the Stefan Diggs best year ever in his career, uh, and when he was the best receiver yardage wise at least in the league was twenty twenty. Cole Beasley also had a like over eighty catches and over a thousand yards that season on the Bills. There's, I don't think he had over a thousand, but he had close. Yeah, he did. It was, he, he did no, it was over a thousand. Was and it Diggs real? had like Diggs had fifteen or sixteen hundred yards, and uh, they both Oof. they both ate. That's on that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But did, he, did so, you get past the uh, the divisional round? Uh, yeah, they, oh. yeah. They went to the they wait, were in the wait, AFC wait, wait, champ. Wait. John, they were in the AFC <laughs> championship that year. But again, I don't though, even remember. I was just yeah. trolling you. No, they were in the AFC championship that year. That's Beasley um, and the number of targets like that you can throw a guy like that. I mean, they don't really throw anybody over. Has he ever thrown a second receiver over 100 targets? Uh, I think Beasley had over 100 targets that year. Yeah, he have one of the years because I feel he like must have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but I mean, they threw a really ton. Not targeted on every pass. Yeah, like they, they, you, they never, but they never ran in 2020. That's would why. Get sad. I, I had a fantasy of of reliving Andre Reed and James Lofton, the second coming of two Hall of Fame wide receivers taking know, my team to four Super Bowls in a row. And I just wanted that to happen with Diggs and Pete. Uh, that was Dino. thirty years ago. <laughs> hey. John Beebe falling on his head. It is your turn, Mark. Okay. Would you like to do a next topic, Mark? Ooh, I'll do next topic. Oh, excellent, excellent. Very good, very good. Yeah, yes, Cheerio. So the NBA wants to make the regular season more exciting, and they have noticed the popularity of tournaments. Therefore, they have decided to institute a World Cup-like in-season tournament that will start in November and end in December. Now, each conference will have three groups of five teams that face each other within uh, their group once, and then a one-and-done knockout bracket-style round with the six group winners and two wild cards uh, playing in it. And yes, there will be prizes for the players depending on where their team finishes. So everyone, what do we think of the concept of an in-season tournament for the NBA? Does the tournament itself have a mascot? It should, mm. right? I they, want now, a they, World Cup level mascot if it's going to be a World Cup style tournament. And mm. they're calling it the NBA Cup too. I mean, come on, how yeah, more obvious can you? Yes. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, think it's really, yeah. I think it's really stupid. Um, and I think that <laughs> most of the millionaires who respect their careers will choose not to play because why would you get hurt in a thing that doesn't matter unless they pay them a lot? Well, this doesn't matter. These are regular season. These are going to count as regular season games. Oh, they're okay. So the regular season games are being put into tournament style. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's super stupid. That's so stupid. <laughs> so that's gone from like, stupid oh, to super you, stupid. It's okay. going to be even more stupid than I thought it was. <laughs> oh, that's <so> stupid. <laughs> it feels very gimmicky, and I, I confess I am not a uh, NBA fan, so I know very little about. Like, it's very last- gimmicky. It's very gimmicky. Yeah, the last time I saw it was like mid '90s Lakers, so I, I'm I'm out of it with the with the NBA at the moment. <laughs> right, we but can the- agree, we can agree that the play-in worked. The play-in was interesting, and it caused a lot of drama. And the Heat made the NBA Finals, and, and, and all that's, of that and that's cool. why the NBA wants to take advantage of that. It's like, oh, more and more tournaments. That's what that's what the world needs. Ooh, so it's like March Madness, except NBA style. Is that what sort of? I guess because they know that like the only time a lot of people pay attention to college basketball is in March Madness. I think essentially that's what they're thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, a player, if they actually win the NBA Cup, they actually get a half a million dollars. Each player. Wow. So there's a there's an incentive to play. I mean, how now, do they market this? How do they make more money than a regular, 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 well, regular, regular season game? Because they're going to they're they're pumping this up as like a something special. So it's probably going channels? to be uh, potentially no, but they probably will charge more to see it. Special jerseys. Hmm. Special the, jerseys. Here's guys. the funny. Here's the funny thing too. Oh, the NBA has enough jerseys. They have like 18 jerseys each now. Um, <laughs> what's What's very interesting to me about this whole thing is that having this in season tournament means that teams are going to play a different number of games when the regular season is over. Hmm. What do you think? What do we think about that? That's I would weird. be so pissed off if I was in the NBA. That's all broken. No one's thinking about this at all. Yeah, this seems They're just thinking about money. Yeah. I feel like this uh, could be such a good thing if it was done right. And it, like the NHL all-star game, like that kind of, at least that seems respectable. Yeah, but like nobody gives a shit about gimmick games anymore. No, nobody watches the Pro not. Ball. The Pro Bowl has he, turned into a weird skills contest. Yeah. Nobody watches. I forgot the all-star game was even on and I like baseball. <laughs> Keep in mind. I was like, did the all-star game happen? He's like, it did. I'm like, huh? 
I don't keep care. in mind, keep in mind, they're not marketing towards us forty-year-old old guys. They're marketing no, they're towards not. the the youngers. Yeah, that's a good thing. To mind, like generally and in so many things, like. <laughs> So just do like, like a skills competition thing. Never, never mind the the olds are the ones that can afford to go to games now. Right, it's true. Do something that that works better in TikTok then instead. If it's if they're targeting younger people. By the way, the NHL oh. is also considering Don't. an in-season tournament. <laughs> yeah, I Oof. should I should watch what I say. Yeah, Pete, you just gave them ideas. There's somewhere oh, no. there's <laughs> he's going to overhear that and be like. What if we did? <laughs> Larry, I watched if these balls could talk last night, and I got a great idea. I mean, I'd really like to hey, see, see that. Yeah, I got a great idea. See, yeah. Uh, oh, now Pete has to do his. We'll his, make his is wonderful. <laughs> well, I want to see Mac McClung do more things, so let's do dunk competitions, because Mac McClung is amazing at dunking. Is he even on a roster? <laughs> he is not. He is not. The story of Mac He's McClung, just... for, for, for Rick, who doesn't know. There's this guy who was reasonably good at college and super good at dunking and like a huge vertical. And his name is weird. His name is Mac McClung. And so the Sixers, they gave him a roster slot so he could participate in the slam dunk contest. He's not on the roster. <laughs> just <laughs> just You're amazing. Yes. I didn't realize that whole story, though, about him not being on an actual yeah. roster. Not an actual roster. Just a ringer for the <laughs> slam dunk competition. No, I mean they don't get anything for him winning. It was just like the NBA oh. was like, "Hey, Mac McClung needs to participate. Who wants to give him a job for six months?" That's funny. That's awesome. Six months, like six hours. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. I love and it's that. awesome. That's an awesome story, right? Yeah, I want them. I want to watch the movie based on that story. I actually kind of <laughs> want to watch that now. Somewhere there's an exec like, right. like we need to make a movie out of this. Who's got a script? <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, cool. the one they just did with um, with uh, Adam Sandler, who scouted the the foreign players. That movie, by the way, is awesome. That what is a movie great, that? that is a great sports movie. Is that the one so, with Kevin Garnett about with, diamonds? The one with Kevin Garnett. No, that's a different sports. Oh, movie. Oh, different one. Hustle, right? right? Yeah, oh, he hustle. was a coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. He I was remember. a scout. Oh, okay. And so he was scouting um, everywhere and he wanted to come home and they're like, hey, go to one place. And he found this guy like this diamond in the rough guy in a in a Spanish speaking country. And he was like, oh, I mean, this is the next Michael Jordan. He has to play. Right. Hmm. Well, I mean, Adam Sandler and dramas are, you know, are, are synonymous these days. And Adam Sandler <laughs> and, and heart wrenching, powerful dramas. are. Right. How did that happen, by the way? He evolved. Oh, he's he has so much money know. he can do whatever he wants now. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, he goes from little Nicky to like, um, what was the one with the cook? Ah, oh, my brain is so broken right now. That was so good. With Punch the cook love was was the amazing Punch sort of love. Oh, yes. Spanglish, Spanglish, and Spanglish. Uh, both those movies, man. I love so Spanglish. Wonderful and romantic. I love Spanglish. And yes, Hustle was the name of the movie with Pascal. Yeah. But then you know that same year he did Hubie Halloween. So who knows? <laughs> he makes good choices. I think he just does what he wants to do. Yeah, he just does whatever he wants because oh. he's Adam frickin' Sandler. Well, mm -hmm. I actually thought for a while he just wanted to see how many hot actresses he could make out with because, I mean, he had Selma Hayek, uh, Jennifer Aniston, and just go with... Actually, he's been with Jennifer Aniston for a few movies now. Queen Latifah and Hustle, guys. Just Go With It, by the way, is one of my all-time favorite Guilty Pleasure movies <laughs> with Adam Sandler and Jen Aniston. I love that I like movie. 50 First Dates. That, that movie is really good. 50 First Dates. Oh, yeah. I, Adam Sandler and Drew like Barrymore can yep. do no wrong. That was a cute movie. I liked that as a teenager. Yeah, that movie kicks ass. Get to the next topic. Get to the next topic. Do it. Yes. I am really looking forward to uh, Marvel's next cinematic universe project. 
in the Marvels in November. Um, this film will bring together Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, uh, Miss Marvel, Amanda Lani, and Monica Rambeau, Tiona Paris, who is actually in another cool movie, um, as we explore what cosmic power has them seemingly linked. Uh, it has been announced that Zawi Ashton, who, by the way, is uh, Tom Hiddleston's fiance, uh, has been cast as the movie's villain, Cree revolutionary Dar Ben, who Rick has to explain to me because I don't know her. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> the Marvels has been delayed from the summer to the winter with reports of bad audience scores and the concern of negativity surrounding a female-led film. And so are we, are we excited for the Marvels? Who is Dar Ben? And why is Iman Vellani so fun to watch? Yes, super excited for the Marvels because everyone super is excited. amazing. Um, and uh, what was the second question there? Um, oh, Darben is a throwaway Marvel character who they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like that's they do that and they do great at it. They Don't say that. Character. We're supposed to sell the movie. <laughs> well, no, they, they have a track record of turning these characters who are just like you know one or two issue like appearance. B list back page yeah. cosmic character. B list would be giving them a lot of credit. Like this, <laughs> I think Darben like maybe appeared in like. Like let like I'm pretty sure I can count on one hand the amount of issues this character even like appeared in. She's gonna be a big oh, wow. bad. That's crazy, and right? So yeah, that's what they do, and that's Marvel's great at it. They take these characters that no one really cares about and turn them into characters everyone cares about, and especially the villains. Uh, they're they're wonderful at that. And so yeah, that's that's dark. I mean, it'll be whatever character they want to be because that's the beauty of it too. Is there's so little known about the character that they can do whatever they want. They can script it however they want. They can. They're not gonna have people complaining like. Oh, it didn't match up with the comic book version and, you know, whatever. That's a good point, right? I think it'll have more freedom. Exactly. And, you know, it's awesome. And uh, Iman Vellani is amazing. Uh, She's just, the reason we love her so much is because she is the character that she plays. She's barely, like, this this isn't a negative. She's barely acting in that she gets this excited about superhero stuff, like, like huh. I heard, a, I read a story before uh, Miss Marvel came out that she went made a bunch of fake Reddit accounts and trolled, uh, reverse trolled everyone who was trolling Miss um, Marvel. I thought that was so cool. She was just like <laughs> knew enough about comic books to be like really like internet aggressive about it. That's cool. Created That's her awesome. own Miss Marvel cosplay before she landed. She the did role. do that. <laughs> yes. That's pretty cool. Amazing. I think that she is as exciting, as fun to watch as Tom Holland was in Homecoming. I think she is as interesting as that casting, honestly. She's just authentic. I love the level mm. of authenticity in her and what, because the character is sort of like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And she is <laughs> right, literally right. saying, I can't believe I'm doing this. Right. <laughs> the whole role in life, and it comes th- across in her acting. I can't wait to see her. The Marvels trailer is really joyous, and it's like because she's just so fun to watch. Yep, yep. and that's yeah. that's what it is. And I love, I love the the first season of Ms. Marvel. Absolutely, I loved it. And Biggin is now like in the MCU canon as a thing that someone shouts um, in, yes. in, in in these things, and it's wonderful. And to the point about them pushing it because of those concerns. Yeah, they sometimes will push to do reshoots. Reshoots are totally normal. That happens in everything. Yeah, um, yeah. Pete will probably, you know, yeah, attest to this as well, because I'm sure, you know, you, you've you've experienced this type of thing. And the whole it's going to get negative reaction because of the female leads, because that's the society we are in. It's, it's just unfortunate. so unfortunate. Yeah. 
Marvel doesn't react to stuff that way. Yeah. They're actually really good with that stuff, and they just put it out there and let it speak for itself, because no matter what. Phase 4 and Phase 5 have been a little weak, but it's not because of any yeah. of the characters. I think the characters are great. I think that Miss Marvel's great, really, really great. I think She-Hulk was really fun to watch, super oh, interesting yeah. and different. And just like speaking them, like speaking, and because She-Hulk is a fourth wall breaker, right? And so speaking oh, to, the, yeah, yeah. to the audience through that and being like, yeah, this is what we're doing, but maybe it's not so great. And that last episode, like, if you guys haven't watched it, watch it. This is all Spoiler alert. Awesome. I have so many Marvel series to catch up on. My God. Rick, can you <laughs> explain to the listeners and to Mark and Pete um, the choice for uh, the change of Miss Marvel's powers? In, oh, in terms of her powers? Uh, yeah. It was I was going to ask about this too. So perfect. They would have, uh, they would have had to retroactively, retroactively adjust a lot of storytelling uh, to make her powers in the movies and the shows the same as they were in the comics because they involved like a totally different. Her character in the comics um, came about because of a totally different sequence of events that had been set up for like years in the comics involving the Kree and the Inhumans, which don't really even exist, like exist in any real form in right. the MCU at this point. So we got Inhumans oh, in character. the in the TV universe before the MCU was a yeah. thing, and yeah. we got an Inhuman show that nobody watched, which was very good. Um, Black Bolt is in the MCU a little bit, but I, I agree. I, I don't think it, it would have been really hard to retcon. Yeah, and so, I love what they did with them. I love the choices they made mm -hmm. for the powers because it also gives it a real cultural roots that I I think expands the MCU outside of it, the the sort of very narrow cultural sort of um, uh, boundaries that it had. I love that it sort of is going into different areas of the world and bringing in powers that come out of these different areas. Do you have a theory why they're linked? And is it related to the cuffs and a storyline that I'm sure you know about? I don't know anything about it. And to be honest, I'm liking the idea of going into this one without thinking too hard about it. I want to be cool. surprised because I'm just looking forward to this so much. Yeah, me too, me too. Do you foresee a surprise dark ending where suddenly this character uh, that we will later know as Rogue by uh, Order of Mystique comes and drains all of Miss Marvel's powers permanently. That was so nerdy, and I deal with a lot of nerdy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was impressive. Pete just really likes to talk about I really the like the X-Men, so that, that's like the really one Marvel thing I actually know. Yeah, Marvel has X-Men now, so, yeah. so okay, many I can't wait for that. Maybe this is a different Miss Marvel, though, maybe that'll But maybe that'll introduce, like, you know, here's a teaser for Phase... Right, how many Miss Marvels are there? Seventeen or whatever. Rick? When they finally get to X Men, there are a number of Miss Marvels, and this is yeah. not the same one. This I is think. not the same one. Rambo okay. is, uh, is was Photon for a while in the comic. Okay. Um, there, she's had a whole bunch of different, uh, a bunch of different names, and there's just been a ton of them. And gotcha. the whole Marvel family, much like in much like in the DC side, which is am the whole Marvel family uh, in the Marvel universe is very convoluted. Um, you know. In, in its canon and in its history and all of those characters it's like some are aliens some aren't some oh, are yeah. technology based some are science based some are some are magic based you know they're all over and they just keep inheriting the name and they're just like ah they're all <laughs> I love the uh, highly skilled or I'm a billionaire class of superhero yes yeah. right. the... <laughs> be orphans which I find when weird they're all orphans <laughs> it's, the, it's the Batman thing man yeah it's weird like when my when my kid is like yeah I want be Batman. But I'm like, please don't. I no. Be dead. <laughs> no, he's a very troubled man. <laughs> this is a very serious next topic. So the FDA just approved the drug. Oh God. Uh 
nirsemimab to get to be given to infants to protect them against the respiratory. I don't know why I do this after I've had some scotch. Can you repeat the name I, of the drug, please? Uh, can I you say it more times? Nirsemimab. Nir <laughs> now, now five times fast. <laughs> nirsemimab. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's a shot. It's a shot to help protect uh, protect infants against RSV. Um, now, it's not being touted as a vaccine, as this shot already contains the antibodies needed to fight the disease, while a vaccine prompts the body to create the antibodies itself. Now, later this year, Pfizer may also have a vaccine that can be given to pregnant women so that they can pass on the antibodies to their newborn babies. With the recent pandemic, though, it brought forth a large group of individuals opposed to the COVID-19 vaccines for many reasons. So, everyone... Will there be the same anti-vaccine movement as COVID-19 had after the FDA approved this shot? Yes, there will. And I uh, hope that um, everyone who opposes it uh, is, uh, you know, is eventually shown the error of their ways. See, my friend Rick says that vaccines cause adults and he yeah, is I not wrong. <laughs> vaccine <laughs> cause adults. <laughs> he is not wrong. My favorite shirt. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, for as many drugs in the world, there's as many idiots who don't believe in them. I mean, and yeah. there's part of that that is a little bit of natural selection. Some people are just stupid. Um, I feel like honestly. we've gone so backwards, though. It's like, well, we dude, have. like 50 years ago, I was like, hey, we got this shit figured out. We were able to prevent like polio and stuff. Like, this is amazing. And now we're like, eh. yeah. People are getting measles. People oh, are getting measles. So many diseases are coming back. Smallpox. Uh. Right. And we still have people uh, arguing that the earth is flat. So, I mean, right. hey, I don't you know, even know what to say anymore about this stuff. We will absolutely positively 100 percent have a anti whatever it is, you know, whatever you want to classify it as movement when this comes out. And it's going to happen in sports. There's going to be a lot of idiots in sports because of their you know position and privilege and yeah. lack of awareness and lack of education in, in a lot of ways that will also be opposing these things and be making really dumb statements about it that will then encourage other people to take up terribly, terrible positions on it. And that is the unfortunate truth about these things um, as they stand right now. Now, one thing that's probably worth a, a noting a little bit, th this this won't be mandated like the COVID-19 vaccine was they, they, are, they, they at least attempted to do. So maybe the amount of craziness around these is going to be a little bit less because there's not there's more than likely not going to be a mandate surrounding these. Yeah, that's that's um, you're absolutely 100 percent correct. There's probably going to be less of it because it's not going to be. Mandated. And I mean, less people will just do it in general. But there's still I mean, there's still that, you know, that group of people that think that vaccines cause autism. Yeah, yeah which even though completely faker got to bard. Uh, disbarred because he lied. Did, didn't even admit. And he was like, yeah, that wasn't true. I just did it for like the yeah. clicks, basically. And that That's not what made news, though. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not, right? Those I, that are edu educated know about that, but... Yeah. I, vaccines cause adult shirt. I love wearing it, and then I, I love... Going to, I remember I wore it to a uh, doctor's office to um, uh, for one of my my kids' uh, doctor's visits. I actually forgot I had it on. I confess, like it wasn't <laughs> trying to be like you know edgy or anything like that. I'm I had been staring it. Yeah, and I wore it, and the doctor definitely gave me one of those triple takes as we're doing like things like that. <laughs> <laughs> the way the shirt folded, you couldn't quite see that it's it vaccines cause something with an A, and like. Uh... So I, I think that um, yeah. Rick's family and my family, they go, we go to the same pediatrician, I think still, unless yeah. you guys have moved. And so the guy who used to run that, the first time we were just like, Mel was pregnant and we were scouting doctors. 
And he was just very honest about it. He's like, listen, we have a schedule of vaccines and things you have to take. And I don't care if you don't follow them, but if you don't, you can't come here. Yeah. I just remember the guy the triple look like at my shirt and me being like, oh, 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 and like straightening it out. This is a good one. He used to go to the local um, elementary school. He used to give talks there every year. And I think he was a really, really quality guy. He was just such a great doctor. He was so good with the kids. And he was very honest about his beliefs. He was like, listen, I'm in charge and I've been a doctor for a long time. And we have kids with cancer that come here. So you just have to be vaccinated. Well, I'm I'm looking for a pediatrician, you know, in the near future. So just well, you're not going to drive far. down. You're not going to drive uh, down here. I and know, actually, yeah. he retired. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. Does Which he recommend sad. anyone near Clifton Park? <laughs> uh, re- people in his. I mean, if you want, it's right by my house. If you want to come down, it's still a great practice. The doctors are all very, very good, very, very knowledgeable. They answer pretty quickly. Yeah, maybe they maybe they can recommend uh, someone with an office a little bit closer. That'd be sweet. I remember those pediatrician interviews. Used to go there. Used to be like so. Tell me about your practice. And it was just the weirdest thing because they're doctors and you're like this person who doesn't understand anything about anything. You're trying (laughs) to make an educated guess about a thing you don't get. You're like, I guess this is good. But I like that talk. That talk is actually the reason we picked them. Next topic. And so I've been intently following the $75 billion merger between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard as it creeps towards the finish line at a glacial pace. Um, I am personally very excited for this merger, not only because I will make a reasonable profit from it, uh, but because (laughs) I think it gives major financial backing to one of the historically best game developers out there and fixes them because they're kind of a train wreck right now. They're very Um, broken. (laughs) Very broken. And so the FTC, as well as trade and antitrust organizations around the world, does not feel the same way I do until very recently when a U.S. district court denied the FTC's most recent request for preliminary injunction to stop the merger from happening. And so what are our thoughts about monopolies in the gaming industry, the fairness of the Activision Blizzard Microsoft merger, and how does this deal and many like it get us close to a centralized cloud gaming future? Can you repeat that number again? How much, how big the merger is? $75 billion. I can't even comprehend that. that It is the biggest tech merger ever. Um, And it's going to be the biggest merger of any kind. I mean, Activision Blizzard is a giant company. And the problem that a lot of game industry or like, especially Sony is having is Activision owns Call of Duty, which is probably the biggest shooter in the whole world. I mean, that's yeah. 12 times the amount of the Washington Commander sale. Think about yes. that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, they have so many properties wow. and they own random things like Candy Crush. Activision Village Blizzard owns Candy Crush. And, yeah. and really, um, Microsoft wants to... Microsoft is in the process right now of changing the way gaming works. This is the reason I bring up cloud gaming. Um, and they want to own everything so that they have licenses for everything so that they can offer ah, every- intellectual so they can property. Offer, they can offer everything on Game Pass over the cloud mm-hmm. for a monthly cost, which they got their hands is, touching everything. Honestly, right? is brilliant. Right. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, I have to buy an Xbox. <laughs> right. Everybody <laughs> buy an Xbox. That's what I they're like saying. PlayStation. I like my PlayStation. I haven't owned an Xbox since uh, I think maybe the 360. Yeah, I think 360. Well, what's cool you, well, about you may cloud not have gaming, to, Rick, though, is eventually. you don't need to. Yeah, you, you, it may be a, an app on your smart TV. Right. Pretty soon. It is an app on your smart TV. Yeah, I right. Play yeah, just play over the cloud. Yeah, over a Bluetooth, um, on a Bluetooth uh, controller connected to my Samsung TV. 
and, and you got that's access it? to like yeah the hundreds, whole library hundreds Just of games download the yeah. microsoft app and you have hundreds of games um, probably have a really good tv no so. Down the road. No, no it just, just has the app. Just one with a good internet connection. Like, you need to have good internet. The internet yeah. itself is concurrent, um, depending on if you want to play like me or play like Pete, anywhere from 4 to 30 megs just in your pipe. Um, um, and that's still not going to come close to looking as good as a native picture, but it is it is getting better. Now, cool parts well, about this, right? Cool parts about cloud gaming. A, you don't have to download the game. You just play right away. Just turn it on, and you're good. Um, cloud saves. You never run out of space on your console. Um, they sold cloud gaming to me um, when Google tried uh, with Stadia. Um, you can do cool things like heads-up displays and be a general in a shooter where you can see everyone's screen at the same time. I just a lot of things that sound very good. Well, just, so where does the money come from? Yeah, licensing. Yeah, licensing, and because they're not going to make that that much on subscriptions. I'm guessing. I mean, if everyone has a Game Pass subscription at fourteen ninety nine a month. I feel like you get into a weird territory there, too, because when you start limiting things to only the people who have really good Internet, you're really going to start limiting audience significantly. Because I know quite a few people who don't game as much online because in their region, you just can't. Like, I know a lot of folks up in um, some certain areas of Canada um, that I game with periodically and... Uh, they they have periods where they're like, yeah, no, I just I can't go on. Like, can, we can't do multiplayer today. Sorry, you know, like my my internet's wonky. Like, and it's just and it's not mm. a function of their tech or anything like that. It's just where they're located in a more remote remote area. Their internet is never as it's it's you know periodically not as reliable um, as ours. And a lot of places in the U.S. as well. I feel like you really start limiting things when you go to make it reliant on a really really good high speed internet connection because there are so many areas that are so underserved with yeah. internet. i like to i speak of quality in gaming in the pete versus i realm right so and this is because pete has a better eye for quality and picture and audio and just the whole thing because it's what he does um, to play like pete wants to you need a big internet connection but it actually does very well um pared down it just makes the picture less good and it does yeah. it automatically. It doesn't ask. Um, so its job is not to keep you at a good picture. Its job is to keep you at 30 frames a second, which is as fast as the eye can see, right? Um, uh, I, well, I'd argue. <laughs> yes, this is what I'm talking yeah. about. You just know it better than me. The difference in 60 to 120 is, hertz is pretty dramatic when you see it. You can't unsee it once you once you get used to it. Well, I can't also, see it, Pete. So, Well, from a business perspective, too, I don't think big corporations really care about those those areas that don't have good internet because they tend to have lower populations and the one that have bigger populations and have the better internet. An interesting related story. I went on vacation, not this July, last July to Maine in the middle of nowhere, right next to a lake. Um, It was beautiful, really fun trip. Um, And we got there and I was like, ah, the internet's going to suck. And I got there and the internet was great. Just great. Like, for uh, like 100 by 100 concurrent. Well, Maine still has cities. (laughs) We were not in a city at all. Northern like, Maine literally really. on the other well, side of the mountain, that's it. 40 miles away. And I was like, wonder how this is happening. And I walked around, and I saw a satellite. And not to talk up crazy pants McGee, Elon Musk, but Starlink is really, really fucking cool. It's really cool. It just yeah. is. It's, yeah, it's, it's good concurrent internet, cheap from the sky. All I heard was you love Elon. I, I, sh- shut up. <laughs> I look like Elon fanboy over here. <laughs> 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 
You're leaning to the guy. I like technology. On top of that, too, outside of even the internet aspect of things, I do have a bit of a worry whenever you get to this consolidation of mm. yeah, like companies and things like that, because well, it's in the gaming industry, an industry that let's just say doesn't have the greatest like doesn't have the greatest sort of a reputation for treating its employees well um, in terms mm. of crunch and, you know, all of the uh, sort of things that go into creating games. And then the bigger the company and the more distant the people are from the top of the con- the top of the company the you know the more likely it is that there's going to be a lot worse sort of treatment of people at the bottom and that that worries me whenever you have these large consolidation of, of things you've seen it in the media all the time I and mean, i've seen it in the media like you the every time a large company buys a bunch of smaller media companies um the people in those smaller media companies are just in for a very bad time. Like there's a, a worse time than they were experiencing. It never works out positively. I, I'd argue that already happened to poor Blizzard when Activision took them. You know, so oh, they, they, they've already become that. Oh, for Activision Blizzard specifically, they are having internal struggles. They're having um, social issues. They're having um, sexual harassment issues and racism issues and just they're uh, having a lot of issues and they went from a very small agile very well-run company to this beh- company to this behemoth that they are now where i mean everything is about the buck and i read today that um they are finally starting to notice that D- daily active users are just significantly down in overwatch 2 because they monetized it they're just not making great games anymore yeah. and they have this this library that i love like actually love this library because it's just been the games i played for you know 20 years and so yeah there's even there's even recent controversy with diablo 4 which just launched and it it got launched pretty praised like people praising it it was a really good game it's really fun and there's this big controversial patch that just came out that basically just you know, everybody's saying it's, it just nerfs everything to the ground. It, it makes spin out for a day, Pete. I think that's just the internet being the internet. Well, I mean, they may have some, some valid arguments where it just seems that like every single thing they did is very pointed towards forcing all the players to, to slowly go over to the seasonal content where they see the $10 game They already backtracked on it a lot, by the way. They already took away level requirements and a bunch of other things. They're like, that was the, we don't want to do that. That was the smallest part of it. Well, there, there's, you know the way of things now and everything i mean destiny's sort of done the same thing in a lot of ways bungie's done the same thing with destiny and you know it's, it's that's the the way of things when it put pushing people towards the season the pay content the monetizing of the things that's i feel like that's just going to be the way it goes um with a lot of big games uh mm-hmm. down the road i think that's just going to be the new norm um for a lot yeah. of certain lot of franchise the next topic now it's time for my favorite segment 10 quick shots to your balls where i ask 10 quick fire questions that everyone will give their first impression to is everyone ready whoa i'm so excited all right we're gonna try and actually keep this within our time so (laughs) we're never gonna do it but that's fine all right uh first question will the jets and aaron Rodgers make for good tv on hard knocks yes yes really Reluctantly, Aaron Rodgers does not want to be on Hard Knocks. Oh no, they're going to hate. They're going to hate every second lying. of it. You think that's why it's, it's going to be good TV. because he's the worst that, human being in the world. <laughs> oh, he's such a garbage human. Good TV, but I will hate every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> great, great hate watching TV, right? Yeah. 
right. just watch quarterbacks on Netflix. <laughs> right. I just uh, not a sponsor. <laughs> is is it fair or foul that NBA players can essentially demand a trade and where they get traded to? Mm. Damian Lillard wants to go to Miami, and he, that's the only team that he he uh, will accept the trade to. I mean, I think that's stupid, isn't it? But <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I they mean, paid him a boatload of money. I think that they should be somewhat in charge of their own destiny. They're humans, right? And they're the not. NBA the seems to be the only uh, league that allows this, though. Well, they're not really the only. I mean, think about it. Eli Manning, man. Eli Manning deciding that he's like, I am not going to San Diego. <laughs> oh, I remember that's that. true. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's right? true. I mean, All think right. about it. If you're a big enough player, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is it fair or foul for Victor Wembanyama not to play in the FIBA World Cup and for Marlon's Yuri Perez to lighten workload when they are so young? I feel like give him as much experience as possible. <laughs> I don't know. Just don't break your toy before it's time to play with it. You think so? Yeah. Know. He needs to gain that 50 pounds and learn how to play in America <laughs> first. <laughs> I mean, the man Gee. is still 198 pounds. He's going to get it. He's going to get killed before he so even plays a basketball seven game. Seven foot five, right? Yeah. Something like that. And wow. growing. And under 200 pounds. Think yeah. about that. What are Bilicek and Popovich waiting for to finally retire? Uh, Stubbornness. Be dragged out of there. That's yes. he's going to be dragged out of there, like like fighting. Uh, he's going to be dragged out of there by his sleeveless hoodie. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure he's going to die in at Gillette Stadium, like probably like, during a game. In the middle of the game, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think Popovich stayed for Wembenyama. I really think he did. Oh, he absolutely stayed. He signed a five year extension I very think recently. He knew, he knew that was happening, and he wanted to. In just the, I mean, you got to love the sport you coach, especially when you're that those guys. I mean, some oh, yeah. of the greatest coaches that have ever played in their respective sports is Belichick and Popovich, right? Hey, so, wait, isn't Pete Carroll older than Belichick? I don't know. He's still coaching, right? He doesn't look as he doesn't look as old. Yeah, he's, he's, he's in his seventies. So if you had something like Wembenyama coming, you knew it was coming and you loved basketball, you'd stay. At least for a couple of years. Sure. Yeah. yeah why not? What do we think of threads? I downloaded it and I haven't opened it yet. I apologize. I care about it as much as I cared about Twitter, which is very little. I, I don't think I'm a good reference frame for, I will, I will try it. I just, I've been lazy. Rick, have you tried it at all? Yeah. Oh yeah. I've tried it. It's okay. I mean, it's, not that much different. And uh, to be honest, I've been sort of distancing myself a bit from social media lately anyways. So, you know, because it's just gotten so horrible and I don't really I'm sort of waiting for the dust to settle and trying to figure out which one to go with. Right. So I'm not really committing myself to any of them. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I didn't want to go to threads. John peer pressured me into it. We need to be everywhere. <laughs> you should always go. I think it's, it's worth going on to because it has a lot behind it. And with the Instagram connection is, is huge. Yeah. Of no, any of the ones that popped up, that's probably the one that's most likely going well, to rise. And in 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 a general thought yeah. process, right? Um, always get behind the angry smart people because all those people got fired, and they were like, "Wow, we can just write a new one, and we'll do it the way we want because Zucka let us, and um, it's gonna just be better." And I think it's better. I just don't really care about well, instant social media like Twitter and, and Threads and Mastodon. I never really cared that much. It doesn't take much to get better than Twitter right now which, yeah. with the way it's gone down. It's just huge for threads too, because uh, to be honest, while maybe the four of us don't might not use it as much, Instagram is like massive. And the fact that it's so tied to uh, threads is huge. I mean, you will just watch. For sure. Does Zuck talk about it? It has 
more users every day. Its daily active users are very high. It's very, very, very successful. It's doing very well. All right. This next question is for John and Rick. What do we now know about parenting that we wish we knew when we were younger? Do you want to go first, Rick? Oh, you, please. I, I have to. <laughs> I always have something to say. Um, I, between now and 2012, right? So, no, so where we were and where we are, uh, I think that it is both harder than I ever imagined and more rewarding than I ever imagined, but also don't sweat the small stuff. Don't, don't freak out over whether or not your kid is napping eight hours a day. Don't freak out whether or not they're speaking at one and walking at one. And just don't freak out about milestones because um, I had a doctor, uh, a pediatrician for Jamie, very early on that said, um, there's as many ways to feed children as there are children. Um, and this was just about our struggles with, with, with feeding and all the things. And she, had, she was on soy formula and she had reflux and just all these things that were going on, right? And we were citing the small stuff. Um, and at the end of the day, she was eating and she was fine and she was healthy. And I don't know if she was happy, but, she, you know, that's, Seems that's happy enough. where you get. To, well, I'm then versus now, oh, right? This oh, is what oh, we're yeah. talking about. And we're out of time, John. Thank you. No, just kidding. <laughs> Rick still has to talk. We're not out of time ever. We've been past five minutes for a while. And then, oh, well, if, if you want my my sort of thing that I would just add is uh, the thing that I wish I knew that I know now that I wish I had known earlier was just how much my mother uh, was winging it um, back in the day with me. Because, <laughs> you know, as a parent, like you think that your parents, you think that you're the adults know what they're doing and that they are totally like, you know, they know what they're doing. They've got your best interest. They are like confident and, and got their things, got everything together and know what they should be doing. And now as a parent myself, I'm realizing and, after talking to my mom, like at length about things like, you know, realizing how much they were winging it and how much more, you know, I wish I, how, how much less sort of uh, stress I might, I, I, I wish I caused them knowing now that they were, you know, my mom was winging it as much as my wife and I are, are winging it, you know, right now with our kids sometimes, you know, like there is that feeling of, I can't believe people trust me to raise this human. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just imagine the reference frame of a child, right? You have this person who everything they've ever said is correct. And you, your limited knowledge of the world makes you believe that everything they say is definitely correct, right? Law, like from mm. the mouth of God almost, right? And so imagine, as they learn, they continue to think that they know everything about everything. That's another thing that I wish I, wish I knew. Um, they know everything about everything. And so you still continuously teach them what is real and what isn't. And so it's an incredibly, incredibly difficult responsibility when you're thinking about it that way. But for their perspective, you're definitely right about everything. Yeah. yeah. You just know it. Yeah. All right. Good ne Good luck, next Pete. question. Next question. Yes. That may have been for Thanks. Pete's benefit. <laughs> yeah. When will the price of a ticket to a sporting event or concert become too much for you? Already yeah. too much for me. Yeah, that happened. I, I like actually years kind ago. of agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> next, next question. So, right. um, my brother Brian, um, for a while, had season tickets to the Jets, and wow. the tickets weren't that much. And my brother, for a while, was making a lot of money, and he still is. But um, he gave them up because they forced him to buy the ticket licensing, ticket licensing mm, for PSL, ten grand per. <laughs> And uh, you still had to buy parking. So literally four Ugh. tickets, it was a $50,000 cost every single year. And, and so, the Jets. 
It's too expensive already. Yeah. I and thought that was a one-time thing to secure so your... Like, TVs have gotten so good now that I, I prefer to yeah. watch most of the time. Like, it's yeah. not like if back in the day you'd pay to go to a live game because otherwise you had to watch it on this tiny little tube TV and, like, you know, right. look really close at it. Now, like, if I've, se- Pete, I've seen your TV. I would rather watch sports on your television. You should hear hear his speakers. Well, we still still got to get like the broadcast themselves to be native 4K HDR, but they'll they'll get there. They're getting there. They're getting there. All right. Next question. Who is your all time favorite villain? All right. I'll give you mine. Lex Luthor and Joker. Hmm. Those are my two all time favorite villains. Going the DC route. I am going Bat- DC. Classics, though. I am going DC. I've also been watching a lot of uh, Batman the Animated Series lately. Ooh. And good, I love the Joker cartoon. in Batman the Animated Series. It's Mark Hamill voices him, right? I gotta oh. say... I think so, yeah. Probably Magneto. Ooh. I, you took mine. <laughs> yeah, and Pete, you love Magneto. If it's not... We're just a Marvel like, superhero answer, but a movie answer, probably Hans Gruber. Oh, Die Hard. Mm. Those are probably very high on my list. Rick Pete, anything off the top of your head? I can't think of anyone specific, but I the mean, villains Magneto, that, you can aside Magneto from Magneto, too. the ones that truly believe they're doing the right thing, like and they're Thanos. just misguided. Like <laughs> misguided. Yeah. But like, like a very three-dimensional villain. Yeah, wow, it's that is a really tough one because villains tend to be my favorite part of almost every like, you know, sort of hero villains. You love of. a good villain, right? That's yeah. what makes a good story. Actors who really throw themselves into a villain. Oh man, it's so great. And there's so there's so many films and shows where I'm like, I like the villain better than any of the heroes. And Agent Smith. Yeah, it's it's they're they're amazing. Mm. That's a great one right there. Um I but I also love um gosh, I, I if going back to like when I was a child, um, my favorite villains, my favorite villain was always um, uh, Megatron. But um, <laughs> big Transformers Classic. fan. That's yeah. a good answer. Yes, M- Megatron was like, just mainly because I love the voices. I love I love the voices of uh, of all the characters in the original, you know, Transformers movie and Transformers shows and things like that. Those are just such iconic voices. Um, I love those and uh, like the voices of guys like that. I still give me sh- shivers like Mumra from the Thundercats and things like that. When I was a kid, all these characters that had iconic voices. I love a good villain voice that like nice. sells the villain. Um, and those are great. And then, you know, you have all, so many, I, you were absolutely correct about villains like Hans Gruber. They're, they're wonderful as well. Um, yeah. It's hard for me to nail down one because there's just been so many that I've absolutely loved. All right, moving on with CBS airing old episodes of Yellowstone to the writers and actors on strike. What other shows would we like to see on TV again? My content memory is so weird that when I watch a show that I've seen before, I'm really not very invested. And it's because I remember a lot of it as I'm watching it. And so, like, I can't just like like you like to and like Melanie really likes to just like sit down and watch a show like over and over and over and over and over again. There's like not a lot of shows that I like that that I watch. And I'm a cord cutter, so I don't actually have any like channels. So for me tv you can always watch most shows over again because i just have i have all the streaming services and i have zero of the actual television channels so it's never been a case where like i'm like oh they're gonna put that back on the air or whatever you want to refer to it as these days (laughs) (laughs) so rick is there is there a show in your house that you guys watch over and over again 
Uh, not for the most part, although we yeah. have watched Ted Lasso a few times over, and mm. I have watched. Ah, so. I've yet to rewatch Ted Lasso. I mean, I I've watched plays, all I through. I've played it well multiple times. Mm. Usually, if I rewatch something, it's because I had to watch it to do a review, so I watched it on my own. Okay. And then I knew that my wife or kids would love this show, and so then I watch it again with them. Um, but yeah, we watched a few things like that, you know, a couple of times. Um, yeah, there, there's been a few of them that I've watched a few times, but for the most part, not not too many things. I would say The Office is one that Steph and I always go back to, and that's that's one of those shows where when you see it on TV, we just have to finish watching the whole episode. <laughs> but what's like what's the last great epic like truly network TV show that you can remember? Like I'm thinking of Lost, Lost. terrible, but that was 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, nobody Office liked the ending. Up, I, mean, I liked the ending. Office, of that, Parks but... and Rec. I mean, those are the two that come. Yeah, up Parks and Rec mind. is great too. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, and then How I Met Your Mother. I, I love that one. That, that, was, show, yeah. that show doesn't stand, hold up, Mark. You know, yeah. shut up. <laughs> it's not good anymore. They haven't you know, met your ever, father now. It might not have ever been good. Last like, question. I think they were good episodes. Show though is uh, still uh, the the IT crowd is actually my mm. my comfort show. Oh, back. that is a good one. No, good that one. is a good one. That is time it will always cheer me up. <laughs> what sport should we discuss during our next episode that we have yet yet to discuss? Uh, curling or <laughs> uh, or pole vaulting uh, as a track and field event. Hmm. Pole vaulting. That's true. We talked a lot about running when Oak was on, but not pole vaulting. I think curling is really good. Curling. Or pickleball will go in the trend. Ooh. Uh, American or Ninja Warrior. That's not a sport. <laughs> Ninja Warrior is a sport. Ninja Warrior, that sounds cool, Sarah. You're, you're not the sport. All, All right, right, John. What, what do we got next? It's the final topic. Oh, yeah. By the way... I heard that song on the radio the other day, and all I heard was us singing Final Topic, not Final Countdown on the radio. That <laughs> is amazing, and I love it. Did you, did you see the video that I posted uh, on our, our, our thing about the, uh, the Floppatron creating the Final Countdown? So some dude has, like, a giant tower of, like, hundreds of floppy drives and some old, um, like, old, old printers and a, and a few, like, uh, old hard drives that he has open. And somehow he's made it so where he runs on a single floppy disk, he puts it into a computer and makes all of these drives mechanically, 100% mechanically, perfectly reproduce all these pop songs. That's amazing. It's super cool. So I found one of the final countdown and it's like they did the guitar solo on one of the printers. Like it was amazing. admire so much that level of obsessive like yeah. like yes compulsive sort of i don't even want to call it nerdery but like obsessive compulsiveness where like i can do this and i'm going to make this happen <laughs> yeah it's so cool i i don't know i don't know how the hell they do it but final topic fight <laughs> in a difficult effort to be an unbiased reporter let's take another moment to talk about how bad the yankees are Wait, wait, wait. So, it's certainly not an A's or Royal level. Last place at 1546 when I wrote this, but I think 1547 now um, gets you last in the American League East. And the problem, however, is the Yankees are lifeless after the break, getting just two hits and falling to one and four um, since the All-Star break. Uh, This has prompted an in-season coaching change, replacing Dylan Lawson as the hitting coach, which is the first in-season change that the Yankees have done and get this 25 years. Wow. And so wow. with the league's highest roster salaries in the Yankees and Mets, and both of them struggling to survive and small market teams continuing to be successful in the Rays and the Pirates is baseball changing or 
Is the Yankees' most recent playoff window just simply nearing a close? Small market teams are definitely dominating this year. And you know who actually just recently overtook the Rays in the first place of the AL East? The Baltimore Orioles. What is going on with the world, Mark? Uh, What is going on? What is going on? First time since, I think I saw this, I think it was since 2016 that they've ever been in first place. Do I think that that era of the, you know, overpaying for baseball players is over? We've talked about this before. Of course, it's not over. But maybe they just need to be a little smarter with their money. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe the Mets shouldn't give $30 million a year to a bunch of 40-year-old pitchers. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe the Yankees shouldn't give $200 million to a guy that's barely thrown a full season in the the Major League Baseball. That's rough. Rodon is rough. That hurt. B, let's let's be smart here, okay? I mean, they're supposed to use analytics, right? And like, is analytics analytics really telling them to make all these moves? I don't think so. Oh, I doubt it. And just bad moves so far this year. Just giving up guys, and I mean, they'll probably throw a bunch of money in Otani to try to save the season, which might work. But I don't even know if Otani goes to the Yankees. That is a that, you know what that is a question because some people are saying Otani isn't going to get traded. They doubt they probably should trade him because more than likely he's not staying on the Angels. Rick, do you know who Shohei Otani is? Have you heard oh, that God. name before? Oh, yes, yeah. yes, I know all about. It. He is the the fantastic two way player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. No, now listening to some of this, I just kind of and I knew that the Yankees have been terrible because I I know a lot of Yankees fans at all, and I, I do sort of keep that on my radar, but I do also kind of feel the same way about this talk, the way I do about for like new England fans when they had a down season after years of being the dominant force, you know, with Tom Brady and the Patriots, you know, and things like that. It's like, Oh my gosh, the sky is falling. We are having a horrible season. <laughs> is baseball, you know, or football or whatever. Is it ruined from now on? Like this we is- haven't <laughs> won a championship in three years. And sort of being like, Oh my God, the sky is now teams go through stuff sometimes and no amount of money sometimes can change that. Well, it has been 17 or 14 years, guys. I mean, it's getting a little long in the tooth. <laughs> honestly, 14 I, years. I, I heard of I heard a very interesting. Uh, I was uh, watching uh, PTI and Buster Olney, who's a big uh, baseball columnist, was on it. And he had an interesting take on Shohei Otani. He actually thinks that a good trade candidate could be the Rays. Yeah. Because the Rays do probably the best job with with regards to scouting. And imagine Otani being on that team because they definitely would need the bat and they definitely need the arm, too, because their pitching staff has not been the healthiest aside from Shane McClanahan. <laughs> aside from Shane McClanahan. Where do the Rays stand in uh, sort of standings wise? I know Otani wants to go somewhere where he can like. They're in, they, second, they're in second place right now. They and just lost. Game. Yeah, they just lost the first place lead. They had first place for a while. They got off to a really hot start, but they've they've calmed down a little bit because a lot of they're, uh, they're, injuries. They're the devil rays because they're like, the devil rays, Mark. Could conceivably spark them, spark them back to, you know, a higher, a higher level. And I feel like that's absolutely. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing that I feel like a guy like that needs to go to if he really is concerned about wanting to, because you can't keep up the pace. I feel like you can't keep up the pace that he's on and been on for you know in perpetuity. Like this is just so wild to this is like the fact that I'm aware of his stats uh, says a lot about his yeah and how big he is. I saw an interesting thing on the interwebs today that Shohei Otani 
is on the same pace or uh, is at the same point where Babe Ruth was with regards to hitting and pitching. Poof. Wow. Yeah. Like scary, like mirror huh. image stats um, after this many games. Yeah. Except yeah, skinny crazy, Japanese. Yeah. I- yeah, it's wild to see that they had pictures of the two of them like side by side. And you're looking at it and going like, so you're saying this guy over here, the tubby guy is good. And this guy over here who's looks super athletic had the right. same stats and they're both good. Yeah. I mean, baseball is very different. I think it's maybe like, they yeah. <laughs> played underhand when Babe Ruth played or something. They did not. Right. <laughs> That's like Wayne Gretzky in hockey when it was like you'd look at some of those goalies that would just like flop around on the ground and Wayne Gretzky's like, okay, I'll just score my 50th right. goal because right. they can't play and I can. Personally, I don't think that that raise trade would happen for Otani because Otani, I think, wants to remain on the West Coast because there is mm. a larger, uh, you know, Japanese following on the West mm. Coast and there is yeah. on the East Coast. Okay. So I'm. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that he would allow that trade. I don't although, you know, he might not necessarily have a say, but. I mean, maybe even L.A. to stay on a bigger West Coast market. Well, <laughs> I don't know if the Dodgers could really afford him. And they'd also don't have anyone to trade aside from other superstars. I don't know how Trout and Otani are on the same team. It just boggles my mind. The two best players in baseball on the Angels. Trout just likes being on the Angels. He doesn't <laughs> care if they win. I don't know. I don't understand that. I don't know. So and, and for the, the last part of this topic. It is very interesting that while the Yankees are in last place in the American East, they would have a one game lead. Yeah, they would be the in, first place team in the AL Central. In the AL Central. Mm. And so yeah, most seasons, this ridiculous season, I would not be so frustrated about three games over 500 because three games over 500 is pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad. The, the uh, A's and the Royals both have 70 plus losses, which is atrocious. Wow. Atrocious. And yet you guys got shut out by the A's. Shut your face. Nobody even huh. likes you. Don't worry. The Red, so- I, the Red Sox I, also got shut out by the A's recently. Yeah, and, and the Red Sox are second to last in the AL East. And, uh, uh, last? We like to look at it as fourth place, Pete. Okay. Savannah okay. <laughs> Bananas. I think uh, Otani should shock The Savannah Bananas, yes. Bananas and just announce it, like hold a press conference and be like, <laughs> I decided to take my talents to Savannah Bananas. Johnny Damon convinced me. Amazing. <laughs> I want to see that. That's... That's the baseball story that I want to see develop. All right. So that has been our 10 topics. We would like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. That was awesome. Rick, do you want to plug anything or you have nothing to plug just yet? No, it's fine. You can find me online, you know, in a lot of different, all different places. You look up Rick Marshall online, you'll find me in a lot of different places. We have your Instagram on the, uh, in the description. Yeah. And I'm not the uh, Zodiac killer. So uh, skip over (laughs) to the Zodiac Zodiac killer killer and you'll eventually get to uh, to me. Yeah. that's, That's where you can find me. Please, all right. Please follow her like us on our socials, uh, on our YouTube channel, um, and at If These Balls Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now Threads. Uh, our <laughs> website is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com. And this is Mark Pesci from my partner John Capani and producer Pete Stefan. That's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. Good night, everyone. Good night. Pew, 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 pew.